Hello everyone, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. You can find me at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and Instagram and right here on anchor.fm slash Susan dash Ingalls. That's I-N-G-L-E-S. It's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer. So today I'm going to talk about the three-day right to cancel. There's a lot of people who think that any time you buy something, uh, there's a three-day right to rescind if you have buyer's remorse. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Um, But we think of it as the three-day right to cancel or the right to cancel. It's also referred to in the law as the right of rescission or the right to rescind. And with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and their rule, it's referred to as the um, cooling off rule. So most uh, of us as consumers will often get caught up in a persuasive sales pitch and buy something that we later regret. So many states, just like South Carolina, do have laws that will give the buyer a right to cancel on certain types of purchase contracts, but it's very limited. And I want to say at the outset, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, but at the outset, you do not have the right to cancel the purchase of a car in three days. But we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. So in South Carolina, there are specific, though limited, circumstances where the um, right to cancel applies. Those are uh, door-to-door sales, a health club or gym membership, a home mortgage refinance, and then um, the purchase of a vacation timeshare unit. So let's talk about those a little bit more in detail. For the door-to-door sales, um, any kind of service or product that is sold to you at your home door-to-door by somebody coming to your door and selling it to you is subject to the right to cancel within three business days, and you're entitled to a full refund. Now, that doesn't apply when you have purchased the item in the store or maybe even online and it's delivered to your home. That's not a door-to-door sale. Um, Likewise, if you go to the premises of the business and you buy it from them there and then they're going to bring it to your house or deliver it to your house, that also is not a door-to-door sale, so the right to cancel doesn't apply. Now, with the gym and health club memberships in South Carolina, that is subject to a three-day right to cancel. And that, of course, applies no matter where the transaction purchasing the membership takes place. Um, Also, if you refinance a mortgage on your house, you have a three-day right of cancellation. Now, that's only on your primary residence. You can't uh, doesn't count on a property that you have rented out to someone, a second home, or commercial property or anything like that. Just your primary residence and the refinancing of a mortgage or a mortgage where you put your house up as collateral sometimes with a like a home equity loan. One other thing in South Carolina is vacation timeshare units. The purchase of those are subject to actually a five-day 
right to cancel. Um, so those are really the only ones that we have. And again, unfortunately, it doesn't apply to the purchase of a car. However, you need to keep in mind that if the seller that sold you the car, the dealer, or whoever was fraudulent or misrepresented the vehicle's condition or you know some other deceptive um, representation, then you can certainly rescind the purchase and back out of the contract, but that is, would be based on fraud or deceptive practices and not on a um, statutory type of three-day right to cancel. So um, let's talk just a little about the FTC cooling off rule, which is essentially the same. Um, it does give you the three-day right to cancel a sale that's made at your home, your workplace, or even a dormitory, or at a temporary location. That's something to keep in mind. So when you go buy something because they're having a sale at a hotel or motel room, a convention center, a fairground, and so forth, um, <clears throat> you do have the uh, right to rescind those. Now, not all um, sales are going to be covered. There are some, of course, exceptions even to those. So with the FTC cooling off rule, it does not cover sales that are made at your home that are under $25. And if it's at a temporary location of the business, it doesn't apply to uh, purchases that are under $130. The rule does not apply to goods or services that are not primarily for your personal family or household use. And if they're made entirely online or by mail or telephone, the rule also doesn't apply. And just three other situations where the cooling off rule does not apply, and that is where, um, and this is, you know, the federal rule, but the state rule is the same. If you um, negotiated a sale at the seller's business where they are regularly selling the goods, but then they just brought it to your house. It doesn't apply there. Now, also, when you make a purchase that is needed to meet an emergency and that's clear in the sale, then you do not have that three-day right of rescission or right to cancel. And then finally, um, the a sale that is for part of repairs or maintenance on your property, your personal property, that is. So... How do you cancel, you might be wondering. And, and keep in mind, you don't have to give a reason for canceling. You have the right to change your mind in these specific um, uh, right to cancel situations. But to cancel the sale, you just need to sign and date one copy of a cancellation form that should have been given to you. But if they didn't give you a form, you can certainly just write a cancellation letter. Um, either way, they need to be postmarked within three business days of the sale. Now, that means weekdays and Saturdays, but what's not included is Sundays and federal holidays. Now, under that <coughs> cooling off rule, if you cancel the purchase, 
then that seller has 10 days to uh, cancel and return any check you signed, refund all your money, and tell you whether any of the products that you still have will be picked up, and then return any um, trade-in that you may have provided in a particular sale. Now, what they um, then have to do is, within 20 days, either pick up any items that were left with you or reimburse you for mailing expenses if you agree to send the items back by mail. If you did receive the actual goods from the seller before you did the cancellation, you do have to make them available to the seller in this, as good a condition as when you got them. And finally, I would just say that um, from the federal rule with the FTC, cooling off rule, if you think a seller has violated that, you can file a complaint at consumer.ftc.gov. And here in South Carolina, you can file a complaint with our South Carolina Department of Consumer Affairs. And that is at consumer.sc.gov. Well, I hope this information has been helpful to you. Um, hate that you can't uh, cancel a car purchase after three days, but do keep in mind you do have rights when it comes to fraud and deception. This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls. Remember, I am at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and Instagram and right here on anchor.fm slash Susan dash Ingalls. Thanks for tuning in. You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Hello, everyone. This is attorney Susan Ingalls. You can find me at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and on Instagram, too. It's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Okay, today I'm going to talk about consumer reports and being a renter applying for an apartment lease. The... um, Fair Credit Reporting Act, which can be found at 15 U.S.C. 1681, governs the confidentiality, accuracy, and permissible uses for consumer reports. It also puts obligations on consumer reporting agencies, which are called CRAs, uh, furnishers of information to those CRAs, and anyone who is a user of those consumer reports. You have notice, access, and also dispute rights under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. You also actually have a private right of action, and that means you can sue them if they violate the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Now, why are we talking about this? Because we think of Uh, credit reporting or consumer reporting agencies is sort of the big three, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Those reports have information about your payment history, how much credit you have and use, and other inquiries and, and information about your credit. But there's other types of background screening. There's employment screening, check and bank screening, personal property 
insurance screening. But what I want to talk to you about today is the tenant background screening. These companies provide reports to landlords and residential real estate management companies. So if you're applying as a tenant for a residential property, a tenant screening report with negative information in it, like past due rent, for example, could result in you being rejected um, for your lease application. So it's important to know that the Fair Credit Reporting Act also applies when it comes to tenant uh, screening companies. And so how does that affect you when you are applying uh, to um, rent a particular location? Well, two ways that the Fair Credit Reporting Act Um, can affect that situation. One is adverse action taken by a potential landlord because of the report. And the other is inaccurate information that may be on the report. Um, One thing to point out here is that landlords are not required to get your permission to get one of these consumer reports on you as a potential tenant. Whereas with the credit reporting Um, with Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, it's required that um, your permission be obtained before those reports are obtained. So that's, uh, I think, important to note. Landlords do this without you even realizing it. However, if you have adverse action taken against you, in other words, let's say you get turned down for the lease, the landlord has to give you notice of that action. It can be verbal, in writing, or even electronically, but they do have to give you notice that you're being turned down because of something that was in a background uh, screening report. Now, um, that notice has certain requirements. It has to give uh, contact information for whatever uh, consumer reporting agency supplied the report, and it also has to describe your right to correct any inaccurate information and to get a free copy of the report as long as you ask for it within 60 days of the landlord's decision. So adverse action is is one way uh, that these background screening reports are affected by the Fair Credit Reporting Act. The other, as I said before, is inaccurate information. So um, if you have been turned down Um, as a result of one of these reports, you can obtain a free report from whatever Consumer Reporting Agency or CRA supplied that report, and you have the opportunity to dispute any errors that might be on it. So if you do have a dispute with the information that's on there, you think it's inaccurate, um, you, um, you have to let them know, make a dispute, They must complete a reasonable investigation. They have to correct any errors that uh, turn out to be on there, and they have to notify you of the results of the investigation either way. Also, you have the right to request that the CRA give the corrected report, if it is corrected, to the landlord directly. And, of course, you should also tell the landlord about the mistake yourself, Um, and and that could possibly change the decision. If the investigation that is done by the CRA does not resolve the dispute, 
you can also submit a statement of dispute to them that can be uh, will be included in any future reports. And, and the same is true um, with uh, credit reports under the Fair Credit Reporting Act as well. So what's the takeaway from this? Mainly that there really is one standard for everybody and that is that there must be reasonable procedures to ensure the maximum possible accuracy on these reports. And, and that standard applies whether, um, whatever, regardless of what type of technology might be used by the credit, uh, consumer reporting agency. So for example, in a case where the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, uh, sued RealPage Incorporated. Um, that was a tenant background screening case, and it was alleged that they had failed to follow reasonable procedures to assure the maximum possibility or ma- maximum possible accuracy of consumer reports. And it turned out that they were not following reasonable procedures. They had a very broad system of uh, matching up names that was not being fair to consumers and there was a civil penalty issued in that case of three million dollars. So you can see that there there are penalties for um, unreasonable procedures and as I mentioned at the beginning there's also that private right of action which means that you can as an individual uh, sue one of these companies for um, uh, inaccurate reporting or uh, adverse action taken against you. Uh, so finally, just uh, a couple of things that you should do um, if you're going to be applying uh, for a lease. Just in preparation, you know, go ahead and get your free credit report from annualcreditreport.com. And if there's... Um, Uh, any specialty consumer reporting agencies um, that the landlord uses, go ahead and um, request a report from them. Those can be found um, with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau uh, provides a list of consumer reporting agencies, and that's at consumerfinance.gov, so you can get that there. Also, you know, get together any paperwork that you have for any kind of you know, criminal or eviction actions that you may have had against you, obviously particularly if they you know, came out in your favor because that doesn't always get um, reported properly. And then always be sure on the application that you provide complete information, and in particular your full first, middle, and last name. You can find more on this subject by visiting uh, the FTC's website. Consumer.ftc.gov has um, a wealth of information on it. Uh, and also, of course, the ConsumerFinance.gov, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And, of course, you can always check us out at www.sclegal.org. This has been Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer.
Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. You can find me at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and Instagram and here on anchor.fm slash Susan dash Ingalls. It's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Well, it's July 4th, Thursday, July 4th, and so we honor our uh, country and our service members, so I thought that I would talk about the Service Member Civil Relief Act. Now, in the past, I've talked about some new laws for our military service members and also, in another episode, the Military Lending Act. Today, I just want to talk about uh, Title 50 in the United States Code sections 3901 to 4043, and that's the Service Members Civil Relief Act. Now, um, this act provides legal and financial protections for service members in case they are uh, adversely affected during uh, military or uniformed service. And it applies to the following service members, and of course can be exercised by anyone uh, also holding a valid power of attorney for the service member. So it applies to active duty members of the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard, the members of the reserves when they're on active duty, members of the National Guard mobilized under federal orders for more than 30 consecutive days, and active service commissioned officers of the Public Health Service or the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So here, there's five main protections that are available under the SCRA. There is, uh, number one, the opportunity to reduce a high interest rate. Number two, uh, protections from default judgments in civil cases. Number three, mortgage foreclosures. Number four, protections from repossession. And number five, protections regarding leases. So let's start with number one. And that is that as a service member during active duty, you can reduce the interest rate on any pre-service loans uh, to a maximum of 6% if you make a proper request for the reduction to your lender, they must reduce the rate and they can't add that interest back to your loan account later after you're no longer on active duty. So how do you make this request? How do you make a proper request? Uh, Notify your lender in writing and include a copy of your orders to active duty service or a letter from your uh, CO, your commanding officer, that shows the date you began active duty service. This can be done any time while you're serving on active duty and up to 180 days after your release from active duty. And keep in mind, if you exercise your rights under the SCRA, your lender cannot revoke your loan or credit account, cannot change the terms of your credit, cannot refuse to grant you credit, nor can they put negative information on your credit report. 
So let's talk about number two, which is protections from default judgments in civil lawsuits. If you have a creditor that sues you while you're on active duty, they have to file an affidavit as to whether or not you are on active duty service. If you are, then the court in which a lawsuit has been filed against you has to permit a delay of the lawsuit for at least 90 days if certain conditions are not met. If you haven't appeared in the case yet, the court cannot enter a judgment against you until the court appoints an attorney for you if you haven't appeared yet. The third protection is from mortgage foreclosure. While you're on active duty and for one year after you leave active duty, you can't be foreclosed on unless uh, you have waived your rights. <clears throat> You can't be foreclosed on without a court order, and if you ask for it, the court has to stay the foreclosure case or adjust the loan if your active duty materially affects your ability to repay the loan. Some good protections there in mortgage foreclosure. Number four, repossession, and this applies to personal property such as cars and um, household goods. So if you purchased with financing a, a car or other personal property, or if you leased a car or personal property before going on active duty, and you made a deposit or at least one installment payment before entering active duty, then a creditor cannot repossess your property, such as a car, without filing a lawsuit and getting a court order while you're on active duty. So they can't just come in the dead of night and take your car. Um, of course, if you allow a creditor to have the property voluntarily, that's a different story. But they are not allowed to repossess your property without a court order. So keep that in mind. And, of course, this is in addition to the other rights that you have under the Service Member Civil Relief Act. And keep in mind that in this case you're still responsible for the debt and any legally allowable fees. Finally, leases. You do have lease termination rights for a residence and for a lease on car. If you signed a residential lease prior to active duty... Or, if you're already on active duty and get a permanent change of station or a PCS, or you get a deployment order that's going to last more than 90 days, then under the SCRA, you can terminate your lease without penalty. Now, how do you do that? Well, you or someone with your power of attorney submits a written notice and a copy of your orders to your landlord and this can be done by hand delivery, certified mail, or even a private mail carrier such as UPS, FedEx, and, and so on. Uh, once you do that, the termination is effective for 30 days after the next due date of your rent. So, for example, if you send the notice on July 15th, your next rent payment is due August 1st, the termination would not be valid until September 1st. Now, you also have termination rights on an auto lease uh, without paying early termination fees or penalties. Now, these will kick in if you entered into the lease either prior to active duty and then were called into active duty for 180 days or longer, 
or if you entered into it during active duty and then received orders for a a PCS from inside the U.S. to out of the U.S. or from outside the U.S. to somewhere else outside the U.S. or orders for deployment for 180 days or more. And, of course, in this situation, you would use the same um, process to notify the company that you're leasing from. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, the Service Member Civil Relief Act. I hope that was helpful to you on this July 4th, 2019. And again, you can refer to more detail in the SCRA in Title 50 of the United States Code, Sections 3901 to 4043. You can also find more information uh, about the um, SCRA on the website of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau at www.consumerfinance.gov. This has been attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and Instagram, and you can also find me here on anchor.fm slash Susan dash Ingalls. And this has been July 4th, 2019, Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Thanks for tuning in.